Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Youth Hoops Pod presented by Pro Skills Basketball. Today, we are bringing you a fun episode of our triangle offense. We have a special guest on the phone today. Um, his name is Stu Singer. He is the director and performance coach at Well Performance. Um, he has been a sports psychology and performance consultant for many different teams, including the Washington Wizards, the University of Maryland women's basketball team, Rice University's basketball program, the Connecticut Sun, and most most notably in terms of relevance, the recent 2019 WNBA World Champion Washington Mystics featuring Elena Deladon. Um, so, Stu, welcome to the podcast, man. We're glad to have you back here. Yeah, I'm psyched for it. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. And then this is a triangle offense, meaning there are three of us trying to get a bucket here today. And across from me here at the headquarters is our PSB co-founder, Logan Kosmolski. Welcome back to the podcast. Thank you, Christian. Good to be here. Good. Good to have you both. So uh, we have a good topic today um, with, with Stu being here and his knowledge kind of of the, the other side of the game that takes place um, in terms of basketball, not being the physical, but the men mental side of the game that our society has become so much more in tune with or, or aware of over the last 10, 15 years. Um, even so, in the last five years, it's it's taken an extreme boom to the place it's at now. Um, so we're going to have a good conversation on um, a couple things that uh, relate to that and, and kind of relate it to the youth level and pick Stu's brain of expertise and uh, all of his experience. Um, so I'm looking forward to it. So Logan is going to jump into the topic for us today. So let's get after it. Let's do it. So this all started, Stu and I have known each other for a couple of years now. And, and one of the things that really connected us was our belief in that the current state of basketball and, and youth sports and even sports in general was really neglecting the psychological pillar of performance, as, as Stu likes to say. I'm, 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 I think I'm stealing Stu's thunder right there a little bit. But <laughs> You're all right. That's we, good. I we, like it. Yeah, we really felt that coaches were really focused on the, the tactical side, the performance side, you know, and, and it was really being the mental side of the game was really being neglected. And we, and we felt that if this, this kind of revolution was coming, that more and more people were starting to talk about mental health, more and more people were getting into meditation and that mental side of the game, coaches were taking it more seriously. So that's something that really connected Stu and I. And Stu, I think, would agree with this, that it's, it's been a couple of years since then. And I think that that, what I call the revolution, is kind of coming on fa a lot faster than we thought with mm -hmm. The, the emphasis of Kevin Love and the NBA putting on mental health things in, in you know all, across the board in all sports. Elena Deladon. Elena Deladon, absolutely. But so I think the flip side of, of this needs to be discussed, and that is when I when I talk to some college coaching friends and, and people that I know in that world, one thing that strikes me that, that I'm hearing from them is that they sort of think particular times it might be being taken a little bit too far. Is mm -hmm. that Hey, I had a bad game. I'm going through frustrating things that are normal parts of growth in the game of basketball. Frust normal frustrations are being blamed on mental health or mm -hmm. are being taken too far on the mental health side of things. Whether or not that's right or wrong, I do think that that is a topic that deserves some discussion and at least some acknowledgement of, hey, maybe people are being resistant to this whole mental health, meditation, focus on comfort, happiness, when it can be taken too far. And I think it can come create some frustration on the side of coaches and it can lead to some confusion on, on the side of players. So mm -hmm. I'd love to get Stu's thoughts on, on all those things that I just mentioned. Yeah, let's jump in. Where do you want me to start? <laughs> I mentioned a lot there. So yeah, I don't know. Yeah. I, I think Stuart, would you be in agreement that you're seeing a, 
an emphasis and a renewed emphasis being put on, on mental health and that, you know, is there a difference between perf- mental performance training and, and mental health? Yeah. So first of all, of course, you know, the, the idea of mental health has really, the conversation has changed. And, and in my opinion, you know, obviously I'm biased, but changed for the better. We we're you know, we're, we're not there yet. But but I do believe that we are talking about mental health and getting closer to discussing it in the same way that we might discuss physical health. You know, if someone pulls a hamstring and they say, hey, they're out three weeks, you know, that it's done. You, you, they need to rehab. And then once they do the rehab, then they need to get their conditioning back up. So they're they're out three weeks before we can even think about getting them back in. We don't think we, we don't question that that's how long it takes period that's the you know it's there is no question but if someone said well i'm not feeling well mentally we'd be like well are you you know why can't Mm -hmm. you you know okay take take the afternoon you know and 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 that may be it but it also may not be it so we need you know the conversation needs to be a little bit more realistic and and so i do think we're getting better it's a lot of it is because of of big time players that are coming forward and saying, yeah, this is something that I've struggled with and I've had to deal with. And because I've dealt with it, I'm much better and I'm happy for it, but I want to be a spokesperson for it. And it's, and it has definitely moved the needle mm-hmm. saying that I think we have to differentiate the difference between what would be considered good mental skills, which is the, the um, space that I work in, as opposed to clinical men- mental health, which would be then more of like therapeutic um, intervention for uh, individuals that might be struggling with uh, clinical levels of depression, anxiety, um, bipolar, uh, what have you. And so we, there, there is a difference. And and, Stu, can, can I, I ask you a question? Go ahead. How is a coach, a coach in my mind doesn't really have the tools to a, a how, how can a coach define that? How can a coach measure, hey, I got a player coming to me who's saying this. I think he needs to go see Stu Singer versus I, need, I think he needs to go see a licensed clinical you know, therapist. And I think that's putting coaches in a bind right now is, hey, is this a normal, hey, I'm frustrated because I'm shooting poorly or, hey, this, this guy, he really needs to go see somebody and get help. Yeah. So the first, I mean, the, which might not be a super satisfying answer. The first answer would be, I don't think the coach should be doing that at all. Like that's not their job to, to decide that part of it. But what I would say is the easiest way for me to, to describe the delineation would be, is this something that lives in the performance setting only, or is this pervasive? Is it impacting sleep? Is it impacting academics? Is it impacting relationships? Is it impacting their their personality? Do they seem different? Are they more withdrawn? Are they having a hard time connecting with the the positive and and you know um, things that they used to have interest in? Are they just not as interested in, in? And at that point, what you're seeing is a more clinical level. And pervasive also in terms of how long, like any of us can have a bad day, but, but if this is going on for two, three, four weeks at a time, then, then you're probably looking at a a clinical level of it as opposed to no, like you're not playing well right now and that's weighing heavily on you and 
you're overthinking it and, you know, uh, or you're not playing as much. So you're, you know, mad um, and upset. Uh, and, you know, that to me is living in the performance setting, not not pervasively in all areas of my life. Yeah, Stu, I think that's um, incredibly interesting. You know, you've been on the podcast here with Logan and Brendan. And as Logan said, you guys have had a longer relationship. This is my first time speaking to you. So I'm taking this all in um, as a very um, neutral person in this conversation. Um, I think that's excellent insight that that really just lit a light bulb in my head kind of um, to define the two lines. Uh, But I would love to ask you, um, I'm not going to ask you a mental health question. I want to go into your lane of expertise. So if you're saying that that line draws on kind of what's pervasive beyond the 48 minutes or, or 32 minutes that you play in high school of a basketball game. Um, yep. Let's let's stay in that 32 minutes here and on your performance side, what are these mental skills that you um, mentioned? Can you give us like a brief overview of what those are so we can kind of get that light bulb to what are some of those areas kids struggle with in a game to where they can uh, implement some of these mental skills when they're 0 for 7 going into the second half? Yeah, so... You know, there are things that I would so so if you think of the idea of of mental performance on a on a continuum. So on one end is, you know, um, I'm totally laid back and and, you know, quite honestly, probably don't even necessarily care that much about outcomes and wins and points and minutes and all that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. And on the very other end of it is like intense performance anxiety to the point where can't sleep the night before, maybe throw up before performance, um, maybe even dread coming to games and, and, and being out there. So like that would be a massive continuum, right? Mm -hmm. On one end, uh, barely a pulse around performance. And on the other end, like just too much and it's overwhelming and it's also not healthy. You know, what we would want to do is be proactive, and what does proactive look like? Well, you know, I'm going to give you perfect world and, and then I'm going to give you probably reality okay. world. So perfect world is that that we should be better at teaching that there is this whole mental side of performance and that it's not really that random, that the brain has pretty specific things that it's designed to do. And because of that, sometimes our our mind can get away from us and first and foremost would be that we would give them some understanding and training in the idea that the brain's um most powerful function is survival Mm -hmm. and so anything that can be perceived as getting in the way of us thriving you know like just moving towards really good stuff can be perceived as a threat and then that threat is registered as the emotion of fear and and fight or flight kicks in Mm -hmm. and so now my heart rate is up my my breathing is is changing my ability to process information is goes down um uh i may start to predict what if this happens and it doesn't work out the right way and all these different things my muscles will tighten up if i'm in that state of mind and like just i can't tell you how many times working with athletes and telling them this is what happens and they're like oh that makes total sense now Mm -hmm. and so honestly just this like level of education on it 
would would be so important so for like youth organizations and high school coaches like this information could save us so much down the road all right but i said perfect world and mm-hmm. I understand that resources are one thing and time is another thing and who you're going to get to do that for you. These are all things that I understand may yep. not be right in your backyard. So I'm, you know, I'm not minimizing that. But I am saying, man, like until we're at a point where we understand that stuff better, um, you know, to me, it, it, it goes back almost to the era when when we thought that um, if you gave uh, athletes a water break that you were making them soft. And instead we found out, no, you're at the very best, you're degrading performance. And at worst, they could dehydrate and die. Yeah. So yeah. that's that was stupid. <laughs> but until science caught up with it and said that was stupid, it was pretty much believed in the coaching world that, no, you know, keep water from them. You're making them soft or make them earn a water break instead of like, no, maybe the whole reason that right now they're not focused well is because they're, they're getting dehydrated you know like so so we've evolved and we need to evolve in the same way with the mental aspect is my point continuing with that point i think one thing again you and i have been kind of connected by by the by the love of this topic and we kind of want to see ourselves as leaders in this you know we want to bring this forward we want to discuss it and i think people that want to be leaders in this in this revolution talk about this we need to give some consideration to it, it, what I've heard from some, from some people in the coaching world is there can be a lot of confusion, a lot of frustration around kids that come and, and this becoming an excuse for, for some players. And, you know, I know it's a touchy subject and I know um, that it could be, it caused, caused some issues with people because it's what's most important is, is the mental health side of things. But I do think that we will always have those people that are resistant to this change because they fear that it will be taken too far. And I think that's a little bit of a lack of maybe some knowledge on both sides. So I do think it's important you mentioned, how can we let players know, hey, these are normal frustrations. These are just part of the game and growing and learning. And how can we let coaches know, this is how you you determine and this is how you can help your, your players determine what course of action they need to take when it comes to mental health. Are you just, so I think that I can see in the relation, in the, in the coach player relationship, there can be confusion around this topic that can lead to frustration and resentment. Yeah. And, and you know, like, yes, again, reality, right? That's you're, you're talking like, just, Hey, this is the truth. This is the reality. Let me just say this also, when a player comes and says, Hey, my ankle's really hurt. And I don't know if I can practice today. Coaches do the same thing. Is it really hurting or could you tape it up and push through, you mm-hmm. know? And so it, it's not like we're only in the mental aspect of, of it when there's like that gray area because the other person has to just trust that the person that's reporting is telling them, you know, truthfully saying that. Let me um, let's 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 dive into that, though, a little bit. Um, the the idea here would be to say, well, what? Again, if, if you're educating, here's here's the reality, right? We need to be able to, the, the modern coach needs to be able to say, how do I push individuals to go further than they may themselves 
believe they can. Mm -hmm. And at the same time, never forget what it felt like to be an athlete themselves. Because there's a point where I feel like coaches stop remembering what they, we all have this like amnesia of the perfect athlete that we were like, (laughs) you know, like I got up every day and I couldn't wait to get to practice. There were days where you didn't want to go. You know, now maybe they weren't a lot or this, that or the other, but I, I, that's a lie. There were days you didn't want to go. Yeah, mm-hmm. um, absolutely. There were, days, there were days you didn't feel it. There mm-hmm. were days that you didn't, you know, show up and think like you had some self-doubt. Yep. You had some fear of failing. Like I, and, and all of a sudden we become adults and we're 10 years, 15, 20 years removed from when we were the actual athlete. And now we act like somehow we were perfect. And, and, and then I wonder, well, why didn't you make it to the NBA then? You sound like you must have been amazing yeah, when, you were, yeah. when you were playing. You know, like, so, so my point is, is like we have to balance those two things. And, and so, but the other end of that is so do the athletes and so do the parents. So part of this has to be what's a challenge and what's take, making me uncomfortable yet is completely healthy for me to be feeling. Mm. Um, Kwanzo Martin, uh, head coach at, at Missouri, um, just had a recent video that went viral and it was him talking, um, I think post game, I want to say, and he was just talking about like, you know, after game, when he was playing in college, like his mom never talked to his coaches about anything basketball related and, and or him even about basketball related. How you doing? Uh, can I get you, you know, what, what can I get you? But, uh, but keep working hard and keep playing. Right. And, and as parents, there's a level of this. And as then as the athletes themselves, where, where we have to accept discomfort and discomfort is good. Discomfort is where growth begins to happen. Um, I was talking to my, you know, daughter who's in seventh grade and you know she's a you know she's showing that maybe she could be okay at at basketball and 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 you know but when we go out and practice and a lot of times she'll say hey i want to go out and practice like i don't ask her to but she says it so i'm like okay i'll go out with you but she wants to practice what she's already good at because Mm -hmm. that feels good right that feels good to practice what i'm good at you know what doesn't forcing yourself to go to your opposite hand that doesn't feel as good because i don't look good when i do that i look clumsy i look awkward when i do that and so but that place of discomfort is where you're going to become better Mm. so it's got to be this intentional uh, you know like i'm actively seeking out discomfort or accepting discomfort now in that same video from coach martin he mentioned but if the situation's abusive or unhealthy, I don't remember the word he used exactly somewhere around there, then of course we need to step in as parents also, or we as players need to, you know, be able to advocate for ourselves. But there's that fine line and, and, you know, but that's the space that we're really trying to educate in is what is uncomfortable for you and what is over the line and, or because it's so uncomfortable, you, you, you're not prepared yet to maybe maybe it does trigger something in you that does turn into something that's that that would be at a a level of it needs to you know seek mental health counseling but but like could we address it before that 
yeah. before it ends up becoming that. And I think that's where we've messed up. So if you go back to like the question that Christian had for me about like, where does my role come in? Like, so for me, I want to teach you about um, meditation and why it's effective for an athlete long before you need it. I want it to be something that's that's the equivalent of doing strength and conditioning before your body breaks down. Mm, mm-hmm. Why, that we we do that in sports all the time. Absolutely. Why would we not train the mind before it breaks down? I want you to I want you to understand um, the power of of focusing on process rather than outcome and why before you break down. I want to uh, teach you about the fact that while you are somebody that plays a sport you are not the sport or the sport is not you so you're developing uh, an identity outside of being a basketball player or a soccer player or a swimmer or whatever that you are i want to teach you about uh potentially understanding gratitude and and Mm -hmm. how we can use gratitude to kind of get our mind right at the end of the day or before day begins or both and if we're if we practice those things ahead of time, that's like doing active mental reps that are creating that resilient mind that when all this discomfort and hard time hits, we have a system to deal with it. But, it, it, you know, but if a coach is like, well, that kid should be able to handle something. I hear you. I wish they were. But if if you've spent 18 years and not practiced a single mental skill. And now it's at a level of discomfort that you have never felt before in your life. Why would they? I mean, there's there is potential that it's something that you might as an adult say they should have that already, but they may not. And so that's the space that we're trying to teach right right now. And that's the hard part. Yes, Stu. Um yeah, I that's incredible. I'm you're you are lighting up so many light bulbs in my brain right now. And as I'm listening, I'm thinking like it's I mean, it's so hard for a coach to tell a kid what they're feeling mentally, right? Like it's 100%. so right. They so can't. Exactly, exactly. So uh, and I told you just before this, I told you I've just recently started uh, meditation. Um, I uh, would suggest it to anyone out there listening um, in any capacity. I found it to be super helpful and I found it to be largely around awareness and self-awareness. Yes. So, so my question for you is, let's maybe take the flip side of it then. If it's if a coach is going to have, if it's nearly impossible for a coach to say, hey, you're, you're fine, get over it, whatever, a coach can't um, analyze it, maybe could you provide some insight to any of our young listeners or parents to later provide to their, their children, their players, for the player's perspective of being self-aware, how can their awareness of where they're at help them maybe better communicate the situation they're in? Does that make sense? Yeah, it does. I mean, there there obviously will be some things that are, you know, pretty, um, you know, based in the, the individual themselves. Yeah. You know, and their circumstances and history and, and background of different things, right? So, like, if, if someone, you know, lived through or experienced or lived within trauma mm-hmm. and something happens, they, they might be susceptible to kind of go from zero to 60, um, meaning 60 as in, like, maybe clinical related um, way faster than someone that's not grown up in that same or had that same experience. So obviously some of this is going to have to be individual based, but, but here's the deal is that the individual should be thinking about um, 
like do i do i go quick to a reactive mind reactive mind is is the emotional mind it's it's highs and lows um it's i get my my fuse is relatively short and and once my fuse goes off i'm kind of basing my choices off of that emotion rather than is this really going to help me in the long run and but that self-awareness is a big part of that right is to be able to recognize that because if we're kind of in it we don't necessarily realize that that we're not where we want to be but asking that kind of question is am i in my reactive mind or can I get myself into the responsive mind? And the responsive mind is a much more um, planned, rational, factual mind. Um, I was talking to a coach earlier today and talked about um, they were they had a really difficult scenario with one of their players, um, did some things that were probably against the culture of the program player did. And the coach was so furious that and, and his first reaction was like, I want to throw him off the team. You know, and, you know, just be pissed and throw him off the team, blah, blah, blah. And and he he told me, like, I didn't talk to him prior to this. Like, he did all this on his own. Now, we've been working together for a number of years. So I, I hope that somewhere within this, this is what influenced it. But he said he needed to work hard to get himself into his responsive mind so and then have the meeting and decide and, and like use a framework within mm-hmm. it to deal with the situation and honestly it was like it was perfect it, yeah. it was awesome uh it held the player accountable but but like was really really high level uh approach yeah Stu, and, I, that was gonna be my next question to you Steve. Can I, if i can jump in what are some really tangible things that you've seen coaches do i mean we're talking about this stuff but you know a, a two three person high school basketball coaching staff you know a a pro skills team that has one coach what are some things that you've seen coaches do that you think every coach no matter what the level could do to at least address or make their players aware of that we this we care about this here we care about the mental side of the game I care about how you're feeling and if things are bothering you just open up that that culture of being vulnerable and talking about things and, 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 and at least attempting to help their players out with, with this mental side of the game. So first and foremost, do exactly what you said is bring yeah. it up. Like have, have, have I the came conversation. An answer as I was saying it. Yeah. <laughs> well, have the conversation, but have the conversation in a very specific way, which is this is real. It can be there. There's going to be times that we disagree, meaning coach to player, depending upon how old they are, they can handle that. And I'm interested in hearing what you have to say and, and tell me how you feel. And here's the thing that coaches also want to know and feel is that, but they're still in control, that they're, it's still their team. They still get to make the rules. And so just because I think one of the things that we've feared around all this over the years is that all of a sudden we're, we're giving over too much control of mm-hmm. the team. You know, at one point coaches were 100% just my way or the highway. There was, there wasn't even any questions that were ever, nobody had you know, like, that was just the way it was where you yeah. get kicked off period. Yep. And, and over the years, it, there's been, you know, paradigm shift and sometimes that pendulum can swing way too far. And I, 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 I like to frame coaching as 
coaching is not a democracy. At the end of the day, it's still a dictatorship. But you can be ev- either an evil ruler or a benevolent ruler <laughs> as yep. a dictator. Yep. Like, and and so the best thing is to frame it like this matters. And and then <clears throat> the other thing that you can do, which builds awareness. So going back to that word awareness is. And, and I can use an example. Again, I coach my seventh grade daughter's team. I can't tell you how many times I either stop practice or in, in particular in games and I force them to I say, hey, everybody, look at me. Let's all take a deep breath right now. We're, we're, we're too high. And let's take a deep breath and relax here. We're all right. Ten point run. Big deal. And all of a sudden in that moment, you've taught them a that there's a skill. I can take a deep breath. And two is that I don't need to stay in this reactive state. I can switch it into a responsive state. And when you do that, you are actively now representing what it must feel like and look like to take a step back and observe yourself and say, is this where I want to be right now? And if it's not, how can I shift that? And that takes a little bit of skill work, but but at least we're given self-awareness in that moment that, man, I'm not in, in the state of mind I want to be in. Yeah, Stu, I'm going to jump in right there. That was going to be my question. You flowed perfectly into it. So just give, um, as we kind of close out this conversation here, can you give our listeners out there one, two, or three? So I know you've been working with Elena Deladon, um, and she's taken yet another jump, it appears, in her career. Um, so maybe you can uh, provide insight into that with this question, but maybe things she's been working on. Can you give us one or two ways that, that listeners out there can begin to practice to learn how to move from a reactive to a responsive state? I know you said take a deep breath, but what, what more is involved in that deep breath? What is the mind thinking about to move from a reactive to a responsive state, which I'm sure you've worked with Elena Deladon on in some capacity as well. So the, the one thing I will say is, you know, at the end of the day, what makes Elena Elena, which, you know, when she got to Washington, she was already one of the probably five best players in the world. So let's not act like she wasn't already elite Absolutely. of elite. You yes. know what I mean? Like this is somebody that was already a league MVP and, and a gold medal winner and, you know, was in finals prior yes to, elena you if know. you're listening much respect from all of us absolutely, <laughs> I mean, absolutely. Like is, but what makes her so the interesting piece then this is what i always say what makes her her is that she was like well but is there something i could learn and grow from right so instead of being like no no i don't need that because i'm already great her mindset was oh here's something i don't know a ton about let mm-hmm. me see if i can learn about it mm-hmm. so to me, that's how she ended up framing it and why she ended up like gaining more knowledge from it. And I think it's a, just a great message to anyone out there. This is someone that was elite of the elite walking the entire planet mm-hmm. and said, oh, I could learn. OK, let me do that. So the rest of us mere mortals should probably think <laughs> about doing 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 it that way. But anyways, here's here's the thing. Can I can I get sciency for like two minutes i would love then, it <laughs> all right so i'm gonna get real sciencey it's in like wait totally nerd out for two minutes but you know there's the central nervous system and then under the central nervous system we have the autonomic nervous system which is the the part of our nervous system um that that does breathing and our heartbeat and blinking and anything that is like we don't have to think about it yet begins from an impulse from the brain 
And, and then underneath that would be what's called the parasympathetic and sympathetic nervous system. Sympathetic is, is high heart rate, breathing, uh, shutting down our digestive system, uh, muscle tension, basically all the things that we talk about in fight or flight. And then uh, parasympathetic is, is what would then bring us back down. So slow our heart rate again, uh, get our breathing back into line, um, uh, loosen up our muscles, allow us to think more clearly, all that kind of stuff. So that's the, the, the science part of where the breath comes in. So mm-hmm. let me explain it like maybe a little bit differently, maybe more uh, just totally, um, you know, um, visual is picture um, sympathetic as the gas pedal and picture parasympathetic as the brake. If we have the gas pedal down and, and we're flying, man, we're, we're going to become reckless and bad. And, and, you know, so in that moment, right, as a coach or an athlete, when that pedals to the metal and we're going too fast to begin with, doing more, yelling more, screaming more, getting angrier is, is only going to keep pressing that pedal yeah. down. And so we're not going to be at our best. So what we're actually looking for is what's the counter to that, which would be the brake pedal. What's the brake pedal? Well, we understand there's this one thing that's really crazy simple, which is taking a deep breath. The deep breath automatically triggers this parasympathetic or our uh, relaxation response. And so if we understand that and when i say deep breath like you know um i teach what i call 617 uh in inhale through the nose for a count of six hold it for a count of one and then a full exhale out of the mouth for a count of seven so it's not this short you know little thing it's it's really deep and slow uh but if we can do that we're almost for sure going to at least tap the brake pedal in that moment and so it's like little simple things like that. Now, when I connect it to mindfulness meditation is I want to get it almost out of this idea that meditation is this, you know, um, sitting on top of a mountain by yourself for 30 years type of thing that we're doing. <laughs> it's, yeah. it's not that it's it's literally like I call them when I do it, it's mindset workout and it's the workout for the brain it's the the and it, what it does is it it ends up kind of hitting the two parts of the brain that are most important in performance the one that is is our reactive part of our brain and the other one that's the the responsive part of the brain and what happens is our reactive part of our brain um, if we practice this long enough chills out just a little bit mm-hmm. and the responsive part of the brain b- becomes stronger and and literally through mri imaging we know this now. Yep. So it would be almost foolish. So anybody that ever says, ah, I don't do that meditation stuff. All right, I get it. And I get that it's weird and it's not easy and it's different and all that kind of stuff. But if I said to you, you could make a part of your brain stronger and a part of your brain that works against you weaker, would you do it? And of course you would do it if I just said it like that. Yeah. So I, let's get 
let's get out of that other part and let's think of it about what it actually does for the brain. Yeah, I'll, I'll let Logan end us off here. I know he's got one more for you, but I just really want to um, speak on that for a brief moment, not as an expert at all, but I told you I'm just fresh into meditation and I, it is insane. And I'm sure you can maybe quickly speak to it. I mean, just I do it for 10 minutes every morning. It's 10 minutes. And the difference I have seen in a month of doing it for 10 minutes every morning um, is is astronomical. It's 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 very, very amazing um, how simple it can be to kind of take a breath and um, yeah, try to move to that parasympathetic nervous system. It's 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 literally it's it's amazing. And, yeah. and you know, I, I hate like like some and the, but the other side of it is, like I say to people all the time. I don't want to be this guy that makes it out to be like a magic potion either. Like mm-hmm. it, it, it's not, there's going to be, there's going to be times where we still like lose our cool and this, that, and the other, you know, and, or lose our belief or, or, or get angry or whatever. Like, it, you know, it's not, it's not perfect world. It's just like, wow, I, I can just see everything so much more clearly. And, you know, in an article in the Washington post, when Elena won the MVP and, and also, you know, made the 50, 40, 90 club, at, you know, right, right at that same time is, what she said is like, essentially, in the moment, I'm on the court and I can just see exactly what's needed. Like, I can just get through all the chaos, basically, and see what's needed in that moment with a, like in a calm mind. To me, that's what we're all looking for, right? That's what we're looking for. That's mental strength, but it doesn't sound all that fun. It just is really cool when you're there. Yeah, and Stu, I keep hearing you say it's not perfect, but you earlier compared it to being the exact same of strength and conditioning training in the offseason or the preseason. Players still pull hamstrings. You still yeah, get hurt no matter yeah. how strong you are. So I, I think it's it's just because that stigma is attached to mental health right now where we don't look at it, as you said, at the same level of strength and conditioning. But you can be the strongest, most limber, supple leopard guy out there in the world and, and still get hurt the same way you could still experience frustration being in complete control of your mind or you know thinking you're in complete control of it. And we would never say, yeah, that stuff doesn't work. That, yeah, that strength and conditioning stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. No, it's a great, it's a great analogy to it. Yep. Yeah. Well, yes, yeah, dude. I mean, as we wrap this up, you know, I, I think Christian was going to throw it to me for some final thoughts, um, but I beat him to the punch. I was, yeah. Um, and by the way, I was practicing your what was it, the six one six, seven? One, seven. I, was, I did it a few times as you were talking. I, 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 that's a little bit relaxed, more, a little bit more you relaxed see, right now. You seem yeah. super calm right now. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Oh, I definitely am. I noticed his whole demeanor change. <laughs> Um, but what I was going to say, I think my point in talking with you and and what's come through this conversation is I'm big on like the messaging behind this movement. You know, I think we all feel the same way about this is needed. This is, you know, something that's important, not just for performance on the court, but just for society at large, you know, having more mentally healthy people out there interacting and, um, you know, building our, our, our country and our future. So, I loved I love the term you use mental workout and and how you know you you put the term hey we're gonna have you meditate that's gonna you're gonna get met with like a, a lot of resistance so uh, the messaging behind this I think is crucial in 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 how it moves forward and I do think that that messaging needs to be thought about needs to be thought through and and the flip side of of what can come of this needs to be addressed kind of before and that was the whole point of this conversation getting out there, what is mental health, what is performance, and, and how are some ways that we can message it and educate people and have them take it seriously, have them put it into practice. And I know as I'm talking, I'm thinking about, hey, I'm thinking that this is just going to be a, a 
you know, from one day to the next, everybody's going to be into it and everybody's going to love it, but it's, it's going to be a slow revolution of sorts when it comes to people embracing this idea, mm-hmm. practicing the meditation, practicing the mental workouts and really getting into it. But I love what Stu does. I love having people like Elena Deladon and the NBA guys that are stepping forward saying, I meditate, this is what I do, and this is how I do it. And it's just an open discussion right now. But I do think the flip side needed to be discussed. And I think we'll still see it. We'll still be met with resistance. We'll still be you know, looked at as like you know, meditation is only for religious people or you know monks or you know whatever people yeah. might think you know might have the associations with. But I think Stu's doing great work, and and I hope that he can keep bene- we can keep benefiting from from his knowledge. Can I throw one last? Well, actually, two things. Hundred percent. Hundred percent. Finish is the first one is you know one thing that we we the people that understand this and and that are more interested in understanding it more and more and more is. You know, and I say this to every team that I work with, and I certainly say this to my professional athletes who are already, you know, to reach that level, they're already outliers just just because they're at the level that they're at, is that we don't need to be sick to get better, right? Mm-hmm. They're, they're, like, we don't have to be bad to want to get better. Again, using Elena as the example, she was already great. There was no problem going on. She just said, I think I can take something to a whole nother level. So let me see if it works. And, and, and sure enough, she did, you know, so I want to make sure that, that we are, you know, you talked about framing it and, and I want messaging is like, we need to think about this the same exact way that we think about uh, when we hire a skills coach and when we hire a, uh, you know, a strength and conditioning coach. Like, it's not because necessarily anybody's bad or broken. It's because we want to take them to a whole nother level. Mm-hmm. Why would we not think of the mind the same exact way? So that, mm-hmm. to me, massive part of you, messaging. Steve, and the other thing, go ahead. I was going to say, you're bringing up, a, we had an argument in the office last week. Christian mentioned the term uh, mental toughness. And I just, I pushed back. <laughs> like, and I, don't, like, I, I don't, that doesn't <laughs> exist. I mean, yeah. it's just your skills. You have yeah. the skills and you know, yes. mental toughness is not that implies if you're not mentally tough that you're mentally weak. And yes, and, and also Im- we 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 we're as a species at at what I would call what I think most people do think is what what they would define as mental toughness, which is um, like essentially willpower. Like I'm tired, but I'm going to keep pushing. Uh, I. want to eat a donut but i'm going to eat broccoli like we're actually really really bad at that and again there's science behind why we are bad at at willpower but but that's what and so yeah there are probably some people that are better at that but it's not really some skill related thing and I, i i would rather like you said let's get it out of uh, strong week and let's just get it in can we develop our skills at a higher level just like we can do in every other part of performance mm-hmm. yeah hey i want to i want to clarify logan called me out <laughs> i am in full agreement with you both on both things just stated um he called me out for the better to, to keep the, the needle moving forward so uh yeah Stu, thank you so much for joining us man i think um that's that's the point of this is to have these conversations and um, to try to you know make everyone more aware of of what's going on here. So uh, it was an absolute pleasure talking with you, man. I know this won't be our our last time having this chat because we'll uh, keep looking to move this needle forward as often as we can. So um, any final thoughts for us, Stu? Thanks for being here. No, I just love guys like yourself who are are 
interested in the topic and 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 more importantly are becoming uh voices and advocates for uh understanding it more deeply and and you know at the end of the day all we're going to do is end up helping out uh, a new generation of of young you know um athletes but just young kids period whether they're athletes or you know in their future life or not uh and and to me that's the that's the way bigger picture and better bigger benefit Absolutely. so i appreciate it yeah yeah for for any of our listeners who have made it this far into the podcast you are a better person by like 0.011 percent something very small you've gained some increasing knowledge um Stu, is there any uh anywhere that people can find you on social media um or anything they can further connect with you i am at well performance at both and both Twitter and um, Instagram. Uh, I do have uh, an app that mm-hmm. I have developed that I that I highly recommend to all the athletes that I work with, but also um, individual athletes who are just interested in, in learning more. Uh, and that's called Do So D O S O, one word, and you can find it in the App Store. Awesome, Stu. Thank you so much for being with us today. Um, That was awesome. Great conversation. Thanks for being here, Logan. That is the Youth Hoops Pod presented by Pro Skills Basketball. You can find us on social media at Pro Skills Basketball and everywhere other than Twitter where we are at Pro Skills B-Ball. So, Stu, thank you one more time. Um, And to all of our listeners, we will be back with you tomorrow with some content.